One of the uh, most prolific church planters uh, in America actually is uh, an organisation called Redeemer City to City, which is Tim Keller's church. Tim Keller's a Presbyterian pastor, has quite a large church in uh, New York City in Manhattan. Actually got to go there in uh, June last year. And over the last, he planted the church, I think around about, uh, don't quote me on this, but it's about 20 years ago. And he had about a thousand people coming to his church within uh, inside two years. And what's really interesting about it is uh, stylistically his church is very, very liturgical. I mean, it's the most liturgical Presbyterian church that I've ever been to, which basically means you kind of read stuff out of your handbook and you read prayers and you, um, everyone kind of says stuff in unison, quite different uh, to the project. But um, the guy has actually become something of an expert in terms of what makes for healthy churches. And so what I thought I'd share with you today, he's got quite a, um, a tome called... Uh, um, Centre Church, it's called. And uh, so he's, he's kind of compiled all of the stuff that he's worked out about churches that makes them healthy and takes them forward into this book called Centre Church. Um, and he actually says uh, in this book that there's six marks of a missional church. So a missional church is a church that's on mission. Mission is going and telling people about Jesus and hopefully connecting people to Jesus. Because at the project here, our, uh, our jingle, if you want to put it that way, is making disciples of Jesus. We think Jesus is a real person who lived in history and uh, the overwhelming majority of ancient historians agree with us. Uh, and we actually think that the, uh, the Gospels can be trusted, that they're actually historical accounts of what Jesus said and did. So we're talking about Matthew, Mark and Luke. Um, John's one of the Gospels as well, but he's not, without going into it, he's not one of the synoptic Gospels. So he's, his Gospel's a little bit more theological. Uh, Matthew, Mark and Luke seem to be very, very concerned with writing down an eyewitness account of Jesus. So Jesus, we think Jesus is real. And we think he's still alive. I tried to kill him. It worked for three days and then it stopped working after that. Uh, and we're really happy about that. And we think the fact that it stopped working is good news for the world. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, God's been on mission since the first time that human beings decided they would give in the forks, so to speak, and kind of do things their own way. All right? Um, and he's been on mission since then. So if you go to Genesis chapter 3, uh, pretty much from the first disobedience where human beings turned against God, God's saying, I'm going to come and get you. I'm going to come and save you. And the way that he's actually going to do that is through you and me. We're, we're, we're the strategy. All right? Now you might go, okay, well, the church is pretty ordinary sometimes. Yes, it is. And so you go, okay, what's his plan B? Well, he doesn't have a plan B. His, his plan A is his only plan, and he's going to get it done through his plan, which is he's going to use you and I to take Jesus uh, to everyone. And it actually says... Uh, Jesus actually said when he was kicking around uh, in physical form on the earth, he actually said, until everyone hears the gospel, he's not coming back. All right? So uh, there was a, a great um, Pentecostal preacher down in Sydney called Jack Haynes. He said, uh, I want to be the trigger that brings Jesus back. So he's kind of saying, I just want to tell everyone about Jesus because as soon as everyone knows, has, has heard about him, then uh, he's going to come back. Keller says this about uh, how a church... Uh, can be missional and stays missional. Here's the first thing. He says that the church must confront society's idol. idols. You've heard this lots if you've been around at the project a bit. We don't think there's anything, any such thing as spiritual neutrality. Okay? We think secular society is religious as a religion because everyone worships something all the time. Worship is about giving worth to something. And so... People give worth to mobile phones, they give worth to cars, they give worth to relationships, they give worth to their bank accounts. I could have a conversation with any of you, you could have a conversation with me and it would probably only take about five minutes to work out what I love. 
or at some level or for me to work out what you love um, because what you love is what you uh, ultimately worship massive one in our culture is materialism right we think if we have stuff we're going to be okay kind of becomes our savior we don't need god we'll find a different one and uh, often what we do is we think if we buy stuff it'll it'll uh, make us okay the second thing keller says is that a church must contextualize skillfully and communicate communicate in the vernacular now all that really means is that at the project when we run community groups uh, when we're hopefully preaching on sunday mornings we're just going to talk in street language you don't need us to talk in you know i could stand up here and say oh jesus has atoned for your sins brother you know your your, your blood is his blood has washed away your iniquity right and you're just probably sitting there and you're just going i don't even know what that means and i'm convinced that a lot of christians if you ask them what grace means they probably don't even know like if you give me a succinct definition of what grace is well you need to have one so what will tend to happen in the project is when we talk about stuff like that what we're going to do is we're going to, we'll talk about grace and then a lot of the time we'll give a definition after it so that you know what we're talking about because we want people who don't know anything about jesus or anything about the bible to come in and just go i go i get that i don't want you to have to have a 30-minute conversation with someone at the end to interpret what we've said and i think if you're going to be effective missionally you need to make sure that you speak in ways to people that you don't have to have a 30-minute conversation to interpret everything you just said does that make sense people need to be able to understand it look our culture is unfamiliar with christianity we're in a post-christian culture okay uh, they've probably got some suspicion about jesus and 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 what he might be about um see the word sin still used in a lot of marketing but it's kind of used in the reverse to the way that the bible uses it so there's still some terminology that's around but our culture at best is unfamiliar and at worst is going to be offended by what we actually believe about jesus you know why and i, I said this in a, in a message a couple of weeks ago because our culture doesn't like extremists in anything especially religion all right Australians, Australians actually don't like you being absolutely persuaded and passionate about something to the point that you want to persuade other people that that's a good thing. Um, and if you do that, you're going to become one of the bad people. Third thing Keller says is this. The church must equip people in mission in every area of their lives. First thing is he says, the church needs to equip people to be a verbal witness. Second thing is that the church needs to equip people to love their neighbours and do justice in the city. And the third one is to integrate faith with your work and engage culture through vocations. Um, Keller's very passionate about changing cultures and he tends not to endorse church plants in, like he probably wouldn't in, endorse our church plant in Toowoomba because he wants to reach culture and culture happens in the cities. So he's planting churches in cities around the place. Now, does that mean what we're doing is evil? No, it doesn't. All right, glad you came out. But you can kind of see there, we don't just need to speak the truth about Jesus. We need to love our neighbours. We need to do justice in the city. We need to love the city. And uh, we need to integrate faith in our work. It's not like you have a spiritual compartment and you come to church on Sunday morning and then it doesn't affect any other area. The way that you do your job ought to be infused with the truth about God and a Christian worldview. Number four, the church must be a counterculture for the common good. The church, many of you have probably been involved in churches that were a club, right? Yeah? It's like you can't work out whether you're at the Lions Club or whether you're at church, you know, because it's kind of, not that I've been to the Lions Club, so I shouldn't diss them, but do you get what I'm saying? 
The church ought not be a club. It needs to be a counterculture for the common good. So we need to be working for the good of Toowoomba, for the good of Highfields. What are we doing to bless the city that we live in? I think, uh, don't quote me on this, but I think it was said to uh, Jeremiah, I think, uh, when they were in exile, it said, seek the welfare of the city because in its welfare, you'll find your own welfare. All right? And that kind of almost sounds a little bit selfish. You go, oh, okay, so you bless everyone else so that you can be blessed. Well, this, that's a mechanism that works in it. All right? Uh, and we need to think on that level as well. Number five, the church must be porous. All parts of the church must expect and be prepared to embrace the presence of people who do not yet believe. So I'd ask you this morning, if you're a regular project attender, do you have a porous approach to church? What's porous? It means water. You know, a porous thing can have water soak into it, yeah? And so what Keller's saying is, if you want your church to be really effective, you've got to not have bits that are kind of sealed off over here where people who don't believe are not kind of welcome. It's like, we just want to, everything needs to be porous so that people can come in, they can see how we do stuff, they can see who Jesus is. And number six, uh, the church must practice unity. This is really important. One of the really dumb things that happens to churches sometimes is they do particular things and then they say, we're doing it better than the other church and hopefully we'll attract some people from the other church. We're not really that interested in attracting people from other churches okay if you've come from another church you're welcome here and you're welcome to come and join us if that's where god's leading you but that's not our focus no one wins when churches are trying to steal people from each other and we don't actually get any value out of being unique because we're different to someone down the road what we need to do at the project what the leadership needs to do is to do what we think god wants us to do and it actually doesn't matter whether the person down the road is doing that or not they could be doing the same thing and it doesn't matter you get my point so I'll just encourage you, if you've been in the project for a while, please just be on your guard against a bit of religious arrogance in case it happens. I don't know. I've never heard of it happening, right? Probably um, in our church, but it's probably there where we just kind of think we're doing it the best way and we're significant because we're different to them and we're doing it better than them. It, like that's com- like, it's almost completely irrelevant. Are you with me? What's important is we just do what God's called us to do and let's get about doing that. And if we're different to someone down the road, who really cares? And if they've got 300 and we've got 100, let's serve the 100 that God brings. All right, Acts 17 is really clear about the fact that God determines where people live and where people move. So God can bring people to church. This morning I was out the back and I was thankful to the Lord that he brought you all to church today. So you all thought you decided to come today. But he's the unseen mover that sneaks around behind the scenes and he causes things to happen. Um, we are not at the project competing with other churches we're on the same team as other churches okay so if another church is going really well and they're growing heaps and they're growing at a rate of 200 percent a year we're going to celebrate with them amen let's celebrate with them because that's really good because you know what we want we don't we don't want adherence to the project we want adherence to jesus and if someone else is doing adherence to jesus and God's blessing them and they're bringing lots of people to Jesus. We're really happy with that, aren't we? Yeah. And if he does it with us, we're even more happy. But we're not unhappy if someone else is being successful and we're not. So that's Keller's six um, points about being a missional church. The project core values are these. 
We want you and we value loving and knowing God deeply. We want you to love and serve each other. We value loving and serving each other. And we want you to be missionaries to the world. We value being missionaries to the world. These are the things that are really important to us. Love in our culture has taken on a sexual connotation. But the truth is that you love lots of stuff. All right? You probably had an ice block yesterday and you loved it. And we hope that you love Jesus more than your ice block. Okay? That's kind of the goal of the project. So part of the way that we actually hopefully encourage these is we really want you to prioritize coming to church on Sunday morning because what we're going to do on Sunday mornings is we're going to just hook into some stuff and get into some deep stuff and hopefully you'll get to know Jesus better deeper and you'll be more passionate about him second thing we'd love for you to do is to be part of biblical community because it's really difficult to love and serve each other well unless you know each other and the only way that you can know each other well is if you're spending lots of relational time together. So we want you to move toward that. One expression of that, the main expression is our community groups in the project. And we'd love you to be part of a community group. And the last thing there is point three is um, we want you to be a regular contributor to God's household. Why do we call it God's household, the church? Because the Bible does. Um, Sondra goes to just set up a roster system. Why is there a roster system in the Sondra Girl house? Because we're all members of the same family and we all contribute to each other. That's what we do. And there's just stuff to do. There's stuff to do to keep the family running. And in a church, it's exactly the same. Why do we serve in a church? Because we're a family and because there's stuff that needs to be done and we just want to love each other. True? All right, let me give you a really quick tour of 2014. The last couple of years of stakeholders have gone through blow-by-blow blow kind of details. I'm just going to give you a really brief one because I'd, I'd like to stop talking soon. Um, in term four, year on year, um, sorry, term four last year, our attendance average is about 170 on a Sunday morning. Now, year on year with last year's term four, sorry, the year before, 2013, term four, 2013, we basically got an increase of 30% in Sunday morning attendance, okay? So basically, since the project started, we've been sitting somewhere between the 30 to 40% band of growth on a Sunday morning attendance. Now, does that tell you that much? Not really. Um, what's probably way more important is how many people are engaged in the community of the church, how many people are serving, and how many people are coming to know Jesus. All right? This just happens to be a pretty easy one to measure. Um, we actually had 12 baptisms in 2014. That's good, yeah? So probably what we're going to do from now on, instead of saying, here's the people that became Christians, we're probably just going to say, here's the people who got baptised. Because when you become a Christian, what you do is you get baptised and it kind of says, my old life's dead and gone and I live for Jesus now. So 12 baptisms last year. This is a real surprise one for me. Our weekly giving in 2014 was 2,942. In 2013, it was 1,669. It's a 76% increase in generosity. Isn't that incredible? You guys are really generous. You're really generous. And you're way more generous. I mean, we thought you were generous. But when I, did this, when I did the numbers, I'm going, like, you're really generous, you know? And we're really, we're really chuffed with it. And then in August 2014, most people will know we moved to become an independent entity. Um, prior to that, we were a, uh, a church plan of Toowoomba City Church, and we don't say that anymore because we're not. We're the project. And uh, we've been running for three and a half years. And uh, we've got our own constitution and... Yeah, basically what it means for the leaders is we can all be sued now. Um, 
The last one is, uh, I'll just mention it. Look, there's been heaps of things happening in 2014. I just picked out some of the eyes of it. Um, the last one was uh, we established a leadership advisory group. So we've got a group of five people now that look after um, more logistical sides of things like uh, budgeting, um, safety issues, uh, child protection issues. Uh, so we've established a group like that that looks after wages and all that sort of stuff because uh, it, it's a very awkward conversation when you're on the payroll and you're having a conversation about your wage. Um, and I like not to have those kind of awkward conversations. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> that's, that's been really good. Let me uh, give you a really quick overview of a couple of a few changes that we're going to have in 2015. And then you're going to get to hear from the leaders, some of the leaders, um, and hear their heart for the year, which I hope will really encourage you. Uh, this is the last morning of one morning church service. So next Sunday, we're going to go to 8.30 and 10.30 church. Um, that's a big change. What we've been doing in term one and usually the back end of term three um, for the last couple of years is doing culture series. We're not going to do a culture series in the first half of the year this year because the point of our culture series was to be an opportunity to invite people to the church who don't know Jesus. But you know what? We're in the middle of Mark. We're in, well, I shouldn't say in the middle. We're in the first quarter of Mark. And you know what? It's all about Jesus. So we're just going to get into Jesus in Mark and we're just going to keep going through uh, Mark, and you know what? You can guarantee that anyone that you bring that doesn't know about Jesus is going to hear about Jesus during school term time, okay? Because that's when we're going to be doing Mark, so just bring them along. Next week, who's it going to be about? Who's it going to be about? Jesus. And the week after that? Jesus, all right? You get my point? Like, it's guaranteed because that's, that's who Mark's writing about. He just keeps talking about Jesus all the time. Um, what we're going to start doing too is uh, the 30 is maybe euthanized we're not sure we may uh, abolish the name but what we're going to transition to is having uh we haven't got a good name for it in fact we don't have good names for much of the stuff that we do around here but someone said to me the other day I said project that's a really good name i'm just going oh is it um we're going to do men's and women's church so basically what we're going to do once a term is there's going to be a um oh look you'll find out more about this later but There'll be a free load a week where the first Sunday night of the week, it'll be church for dudes. And the second Sunday night of the week, it'll be church for, for the ladies. And um, you can take turns looking after the kids. All right. So you can free each other up for that. Um, we're looking at some multiplication of some existing community groups. So the way that community groups work in the project is they're never full. So when they get big enough, we just find some leaders, hopefully in the group, and we turn the group into two groups. Um, so we're looking at some of that at the moment. Uh, there's some further development of youth community groups on Friday night, which you'll be hearing from uh, Marto in a little bit. In terms of equipping, uh, we're going to have another marriage weekend in springtime, season of love. I have to say that. It's a dodgy joke. Uh, we had one last year, and um, it, was, it was pretty helpful, apparently, according to the feedback sheets. Um, one of the things on the feedback sheets last year was um, ask if there are any uh, married couples who are interested in being part of a marriage kind of small group that would go through over about eight or nine weeks and work through some stuff in their marriage. That's actually going to be happening in first term. So if you indicated that you were keen to do that, um, you'll probably get a call from Cole or Sue Patterson uh, about that in, uh, in the next week, I would think. So that's pretty exciting. Um, the church is running a master's level biblical counselling course called Helping Relationships and that's happening over terms one and two and that actually starts this Thursday night which uh, I'm overseeing. Um, 
And what we're going to be doing once a term is we're actually going to do some project workshops. And what these are are topical things that you can come along to. Uh, just three nights, one hour, one hour long each night, and you can just pick up some skills or just start thinking in an area that we wouldn't be able to get to on a Sunday morning. So next Sunday night is um, understanding the Old Testament prophets. Okay, So if you've ever read the first chapter of Ezekiel and just gone, what the heck is that all about? Excuse me, I have. Um, basically what you're going to learn in the Old Testament prophets workshop is not to interpret Ezekiel 1, although I'm happy to help you with that if you'd like but just to get some skills and some tools for understanding the prophets because they're a little bit unique, but there's a lot of treasure to be uh, mined in them. Um, missional stuff. You'll uh, hear more about this later. Nick Crowder's going to get up and talk about the budget later on. Basically what we're doing, we, just, we think that 10%, starting at 10% of your giving is a good place to start in terms of generosity, Okay. We're not Nazi and legalistic about it. It has to be 10%, but we think that's probably a good starting point. And we actually think it's a good thing for the church to be giving as well. So what we've actually done this year, last year it was a little bit more than 5%. When we started the project, we were giving 10% of the uh, giving away to missions. Um, and it kind of slipped under 10% for a bit. But this year we just want to let you know it's, we're putting it back up to 10% and we're trying to find ways where we can actually bless other people and help other people come to meet. Uh, Jesus um, through doing that so uh, we're pretty excited about that now one opportunity I just wanted to throw out really um, really quickly here and it's it's only a possibility at this point in time we met with a um, a guy from Compassion on Thursday afternoon of this week this is Diff and Nathan and I leaders in the church here and um, we're seriously looking at whether we'd make the project a Compassion Church Okay, now let me tell you what a Compassion Church is. A Compassion Church is really just this. It actually doesn't cost the church any money uh, to do this. Um, there will be one place where the church could contribute some money to it. But basically what it is, is the church gets a village um, where we can kind of sponsor kids all from the same village. And the kids in the village are going to get help financially with education, with food. Uh, and the really cool thing about Compassion, we're talking to this fellow the other day, is they work through local churches. So it's not standalone orphanages we kind of believe in terms of our you can use this word ecclesiology that things ought to be coming out of the church uh, i've thought for a while that most parachurch ministries that have been set up at some level i think are probably some kind of failure failure of the church to be able to endorse people who have got a heart for doing something because uh, i think i think in an ideal world there wouldn't be parachurch ministries now i'm not saying they don't do a good job and that they aren't valuable. I think they do a great job and I think they're valuable, but I think whenever you can do something through a church, I think that's the way that God wants it to happen. So Compassion work their sponsorship stuff through uh, the, a local church in a village. So we could sponsor, for example, 40 kids in, um, in a village, in the same village, and that would be just super cool. And then every couple of years what we could do, and this is where the church could contribute some missions money, you can actually go over to the village that you're sponsoring and uh, make a contribution over this. So, so, I mean, a lot of churches do mission stuff. They spend a lot of money on just getting the thing up and keeping it running. And uh, the blessing of compassion is that they've just got all those networks already happening. And uh, I think it's about 80% of the money that you give actually ends up on the ground with the child or the family that you're actually sponsoring. Now, we're looking at that. We're really excited about that because um, that would be, that'd be super good. Yeah, Anyone else agree with that? 
That'd be great. Now, all we're missing is we just need someone... No, let's just put it this way. We need God to raise someone up who's going to champion and just be that person who's going to take leadership of that area in the project. So if you want to pray about that, I mean, you sit there and you go, that's a really good idea. But look, I'll be honest with you, it needs to be more than just a good idea. You just need to go and pray about it and make sure it's what God's calling you to. Um, That's probably just about the last piece in the puzzle that we're looking for. Number three there in terms of mission, Highfield State uh, High School or State Secondary College as it's called out there has just started and uh, the project's got a great opportunity to uh, be involved in RI out there. The principal's keen to do it. Uh, We've got a lot of really good people uh, in churches in Highfields that want to get involved in that. So one of the things that we've offered to the churches of Highfields is we've offered to pay out of our missions budget for someone to be an RI coordinator for um, Highfield State Secondary College. And we've asked this person if he'd be willing to do it on a casual basis at the moment. Matthew Martins, we just think Matthew Martin did a really good job just to pull that together. And so we've offered to pay him just on a casual basis for the hours he would do to pull together seminars at Highfield State Secondary College um, about Jesus and pull other churches together. So um, we're pretty pumped about that. Anyone else? Okay. That's pretty good. Because you know what? RI gets on the nose when RI's crap. All right? That's pretty much how it works. So my, I kind of think, all right, so we want to invest in this and get it good from the start. That's good grammar, isn't it? We want to get it good from the start so that the principal goes, yeah, we want to keep doing this. And then what we'll do in 2000 and, well, at the end of 2015, say, hey, listen, you've been happy? Yeah, have been really happy. It's been great. Okay, can we have some more seminars, please? More than just one a term. And we just get to tell people about, tell kids uh, in Highfield State Secondary College about Jesus, which we love. Um, turns of missional, we're running the Easter Epic again at Easter Fest. And you'll be, some of you might go, how have they gone this long without doing it? But we're actually going to have our first Sunday, Easter Sunday church service this year. So after talking about the resurrection, uh, we've been joining up with Easter Fest and doing their service in there. And last year, we just got to the point where we're just going... Well, the Easter epic's kind of, let's see how serious this thing is. So let's see how bad the crap is that you're stuck in. But then we never get to sing the good song on the Sunday morning. So this year, I'm really looking forward to um, saying how bad things are on uh, Thursday night before Good Friday, which is when we run the Easter epic, and then singing a sweet song. Well, not literally. Some of you going, I'm not coming, and I'm not bringing anyone if you're going to sing. Pastoral care, uh, last year we ran Recalibrate for the first time, uh, which is uh, a deep kind of process, kind of ministry thing um, where uh, people with really deep struggles, right through to people who just want to grow closer to Jesus, uh, went through a process of just looking at Jesus, looking at themselves and working through some deep stuff there. Um, That happened last year and it was great and we're actually going to run it twice this year. Uh, And it had a huge ripple effect in the church. Uh, God did some really amazing things through that. It goes for about nine weeks. Um, And one of the things we'd love to see is we'd love to see all of our leaders go through it at some point in time uh, when you've got the time because it's really life-changing stuff. And as I mentioned earlier, we've got marriage matters coming up. Just wanted to finish with this. Um, This is the status of uh, the staffing at the project at the moment, just so that you know. Uh, Liz Palmer, just sitting down the front here in the green, is... um, working one and a half days a week so we've had to increase her the amount that she's been paid by half a day 
Helen in the blue kind of waving her hand right now. Yeah, there you go. That's good. She, uh, she does two days a week as our children's ministry coordinator. Nathan, who you saw leading worship here today, he's um, this year doing a day a week for us to uh, give oversight mostly to the worship stuff because we want to invest in that and uh, improve that, but also giving a bit of oversight to community groups as well. Sue Patterson uh, can't be here today. Cole's dad's taken quite a, a bad turn, and it looks like he may not live for too much longer. So she texted me late last night, and I've had to leave this morning to go up to Rockhampton to uh, see him before um, well, they think he'll, he'll pass on. Uh, she was going to share a little bit today, but she can't do that. She's looking after some women's pastoral care. I might just pause. I'm happy if I just pause for a moment and just pray for him and pray for the, uh, the dad. God, thanks for... Um, the fact that you own everyone's life and uh, that's a loving that's a created life and uh, there's a time when life ends and uh, there's a completely appropriate time for for joy and an appropriate time for sadness and god i just pray for cole and sue and uh, thank you that uh, cole's dad loves you he's loved you for a long time and um, i pray that he'd have a keen sense of your love for him at the moment you care for him you tend to care i pray for cole lord i pray that you'd help him in the middle of the struggle of it and the, um, the trouble of it, uh, just to sense your presence and to know your comfort and um, that they'd just draw into you and, and rely upon you um, deeply. Amen. And the last one there is just me. Um, so I do, I do four and a half days a week as a senior leader. This is beautiful, Grandma. Where are the leaders at on 2015? So this is the point at which I stop. And um, some of my leaders start talking because I'd love for you to hear their heart. So the first one is Marto. You happy to come out, mate? I feel like I'm running some kind of game show here. Come on down. No. So Marto, um, Marto's not getting paid. My dad used to say he's paid to be good and everyone else is good good for nothing because he was a pastor. Um, But Marto's offered to uh, take on um, youth stuff for us and uh, run new stuff on a Friday night and I'm really chuffed with where he's headed with it and I thought it'd be good for you to hear about it so uh, okay yeah well um, just want to give you a bit of a picture of where we're headed with with youth Um, love this love that we can hear a bit about where the church is headed Um, and just so excited for the project happy to be a part of it Um, first thing just to tie us into the bigger picture because the question I ask myself is why why do youth why pull apart those that would be, you know, high school age, pull them away from their families once, you know, once a week. Um, you know, wh- why do that? You know, what's the point there? Um, the overall vision for us for youth is, um, is actually to see families uh, that love Jesus, um, are devoted to their Bible and, and passionate about sharing Jesus with others. So it's pretty cool because um, those three uh, kind of core values um, fit really well together um we didn't we didn't plan that uh, but just good just really good my my heart for the youth is to see families so parents discipling their kids investing in their kids and and youth responding to that loving and treasuring the bible treasuring discipline you know wow <laughs> amazing uh, what a miracle come on mom smack me you know let's do this um so we um essentially you know as, as youth we're, we're partnering we're partnering with parents um, to see youth that love Jesus. So we're not, we're not just saying, all right, parents, you're doing a terrible job. Send your kids here and, and we'll look after them. 
Um, but we're, we're partnering with you as parents um, of high school youth to, to say, you know what, we want to see your kids love Jesus and we want to see them grow and mature uh, and, and, you know, and, and um, take responsibility for their lives. Um, so looking at the youth themselves, um, you know, I guess that the overarching theme for youth is to see every student um, in, in the Highfields and Toowoomba area uh, experience the, the grace, the hope and the purpose of the gospel. So we want to, it's, it's all about the gospel. We just want to see kids just see the gospel and say, wow, that's everything. You know, I'm, I'm willing to sell it all and I just want to buy this land of field. I just want to buy this car. You know, th- whatever it is that you can use to, to symbolize the gospel. We want to see youth that just say, yeah, that's it for me. Um, and to center their lives around that. Um, one of the ways we do that is, is by teaching them there's nothing you can have or get that would meet your needs more holy than the gospel. So it, it's cultivating a, a disenchantment for idols um, and, and uh, just a revelation of Christ. So for us, a big focus on, on Christ and the gospel and um, just the freedom that will bring to their lives. Um, that's the vision. Um, the partners, how could you partner with us? You know, what could you do? Um, you can join us if you've got a love of the gospel and ability to relate to youth. So, you know, if you can wear a hat backwards and, and pull it off, you could probably fit in. Um, and, and a willingness to serve, uh, then that, that would also work really well. We're, um, we're planning at the moment, uh, we're kicking off uh, this Friday night uh, here. We're going we're gonna to kick off for, uh, for about four to six weeks. We're just going to meet together and just go through some teaching, have a bit of fun together, and then planning to establish some community groups from there once we've got a bit of a sense of, of uh, who all is involved. Um, so you're welcome to join us there, but you know, please have a chat to me if you're thinking to do that, and we'll, um, we'll try and work something out. Um, but also, the other way you can partner with us is, is parents, just to encourage you just to be involved with your kids, um, to do all you can to, to, um, to love them and, and point them towards the gospel as well. So we're all heading the same way. Um, so you know, we're your support. We're here to support parents, not to, not to replace you. So we're not here to parent your kids or to, you know, to, to straighten them out, um, but here just to come behind you and say, yes, you know, the gospel is where it's going. Um, that's how you can partner. Lastly, um, what can you pray for? If you're, um, if you're into praying, if you love Jesus and you're into praying, um, there's a few things you could pray for. Firstly, um, you could just pray for an awakening of, of the, the young people's hearts to see Jesus. That's an awakening that happens. It's not, um, not something that they can kind of make happen for themselves, but the, just for the Holy Spirit to be at work, to bring their hearts to life, um, to just to cause that radical change that says, that is beautiful. That's not a waste of my time. That is beautiful. The gospel is, is amazing. It's a treasure for me. Um, I, I treasure and love the Bible. Um, you know, I, I love um, um, obedience and, and going that way. So just to pray for an awakening of the hearts to move that way. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Please be praying for that. Um, and secondly, just pray for the leadership, for myself and, and the other leaders that would be involved, um, for, for strength and um, wisdom, just to be faithful to that, to be faithful to... Um, to be walking towards the gospel and, and discipling youth to love Jesus, just to be really faithful, committed to that. Um, so that's the youth this year. That's where we're headed. Um, we'll be kicking off on Friday night, but we'll send some more uh, materials out uh, electronically. If you don't use the internet, you're in for a really hard time. So thanks, Pete.
Excellent. So, uh, I mean, there's a huge missional kind of component to what uh, Mato's going to be leading as well because it's very much an untapped um, school in a sense. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of kids already go to other youth groups and part of youth stuff, uh, but we had quite a number of kids who were coming out to our monthly kind of youth activities last year and we're, uh, we're looking to uh, expand that, obviously, uh, with Mato there and those who will be uh, helping him. Helen, why don't you come out? Helen's... Uh, the uh, children's ministry coordinator. So she looks after Project Kids. So a lot of you probably don't even get to see her because she's over there doing sure. stuff all the time. Yeah, that's right. Do you want to stand behind this or yeah, not? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to start with saying that how blessed we are to be in a church that values kids' ministry, but uh, I'm not sure now. Anyway. So statistics show uh, that by the time a child's five, their moral foundation is already formed. So that's kind of our early, well, we start a little below that. But then by the time that they're 13, they've already formed uh, the majority of their ideas and beliefs about the nature of God, about the existence of Satan, the reliability of the Bible, the holiness of Jesus, and whether they can be saved from their sins and the importance of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So that's by the time they're 13. So we've now got this kind of 10-year window of opportunity where we can talk to the kids, and we don't want to miss it. So um, obviously at Project Kids, we're all about introducing the kids to Jesus. We want to teach them the Bible. We want them to know that they can trust it. We want them to understand the holiness of Jesus. And we want them to know with 100% certainty that they um, can be freed from their sins, you know, that they have been forgiven. But more than that, we don't just want them to have knowledge. We want them to be able to really accept Jesus. We want them to come to know him and let him change their lives. So we want them to seek them through their... um, to go to seek him, to journey with him, and we want to be part of that journey. And obviously, um, our main training ground is over there. It's kind of hard to be in here when it's over there. But um, so we provide age, um, age-based curriculum that is relevant and it's fun and, um, and it tracks them and it brings them week after week just back to Jesus, getting to know who he is and what he's done for them. Um, we try to keep our classes small. So um, we have lots of teachers and there's lots over there, but we're going to need lots more. And, um, but we keep our classes small that, so we're relational and so that we can really journey with them and be praying with them and for them and know these kids rather than just kind of having a big group that we're talking to. We're in their lives and talking with them. Uh, this year we're going to be studying Mark and just like what Pete was saying, it's, you know, it's a great thing because each week we get to, to hear about God's rescue plan. We get to hear what God wants for them and for and who Jesus is and let them just introduce, um, not just introduce, get to know who he is. And it's a great way of sharing the gospel and it introduces them to Jesus and it also means that the kids are learning exactly what you're learning each week. So when you're talking to um, each other about what you've learned, you can be talking to your kids about what you've learned because they've learned it. And maybe on a different level, obviously, but they've been learning that same stuff. The risk of any kids' ministry is that we concentrate on this outward behaviour and trying to make them to be good kids, moral kids, well-behaved kids. Um, But what we don't want is that because... We do want them to be good over there. Don't let me 
get wrong. Um, but the, the problem with this is that outward behaviour doesn't necessarily reflect the faith inside. And you can be this really outward, good-behaved kid who hasn't actually connected with their faith and then when the trials of life come, and let's face it, we all have to face the trials, um, then you, they don't stand, their faith doesn't stand up. Okay, so we're not after this good kid who doesn't really connect, who doesn't have the grounds to actually hold up in the trials. So what we're after is to have a strong, faith-filled kid who actually can, has the faith to stand um, these trials. And this comes from experiencing God. And sometimes it's raw and it's messy and it may not be contained exactly how we want it to be contained. Um, and it's not something that we can manipulate them into doing. You know, it's not like we can say, you know, sit down, you have to sit down. You know, we're going to say, okay, now you're going to experience God. It doesn't really work like that. And so faith is actually best designed in the family home. So parents have been given this God-given role to... Um, to parent their children, to spiritually parent their children. And we are not trying to ever take that away from you, much like what Marto was saying. You know, we are trying to support you in this. So our desire is that the children ministry team will support parents in their role as parents and as the spiritual leaders of their kids and the families and the community groups. You know, each week we have these kids that all come to the community groups and we can... As, as leaders and other parents, we can teach them there and model what faith actually looks like and let them experience our faith and let them see what that's all about and let them grow in those times as well. Um, so f finally, it's my passion to share Jesus with uh, the families of Highfields and Toowoomba. Okay, I'm never just keen to, to be speaking to you guys. Not that I love all the kids over there, but, you know, there's a lot of other gods ki of kids all around um, Highfields and Toowoomba. And so we each have our own mission fields, and it's exciting to be able to bring opportunities for you guys to be able to bring um, and for the kids to be able to bring their friends and their neighbours to come out and hang out with other Christians and just to hear about Jesus. So this year we plan to continue having the outreach afternoons. In fact, um, the kids should be coming home with an invite for their first one, um, which is in February. Um, and these afternoons, it's just all about bringing the kids together, letting them have fun in a way that is um, edifying, um, but also it's, they're always gospel-focused. At any of those afternoons, it, we just tell the kids the gospel. So... Um, we also teach RI in the state schools. There's a few of us, a couple of us that are doing that. Love to have more people come on team if you'd like to, um, to teach RI in the state schools. It has been, I was petrified when Pete told me I had to do it, but um, it has been one of my most rewarding things. And in fact, I went to a play date the other day and was introduced as the, to the grandmother as the RI teacher who taught them X, Y, Z and her, their whole extended family knows um, about what we've been doing in RI because this kid, this little boy has been so excited about what we're doing. Um, we also connect with families well, through, um, through play group. And, um, and please be pl uh, praying for that this, at this time because we've had um, just quite a lot of families that have connected from the community at the moment. And so just be um, 
all of these opportunities are designed to allow us, and not just me, but for all of those people, you know, the kids come and they can be intentionally telling people about Jesus. Um, for the playgroup mums, that they have others come, that they can then be intentionally telling people about Jesus. They can be caring and supporting other people in the neighbourhood, in their community, you know, or the people they come across. Okay, so um, you might have noticed we have a few kids in this church. It's kind of a bit empty on this side. They must have all been sitting on this side, not that side. So um, what am I looking for? I will be looking for some more um, Project Kids leaders and helpers um, and creche volunteers, volunteers that can teach RI or people that might want to help with the outreach afternoons. Um, or perhaps you have kids involved in your community groups and I'd love to have people that will partner with me to involve the kids in your group so that it's a time of growth for them and not just for the adults but a time of growth for them um, and so that they can experience, be part of um, experiencing the adults' um, faith. Most of all, I do ask that you pray for us, um, for strength. It's going to be a big thing to go to, to services um, to pray that we can teach in a way that connects with the kids and that we pray for the teachers and the helpers and those that are in our eye and pray that we have opportunities to just tell people about Jesus um, time and time again. Thanks. I hope you're enjoying this because I think it's really good for you <laughs> to hear their, uh, hear their hearts. So. Last one I uh, just want to invite up is just for you to hear from Nathan for um, for five minutes about his heart. So uh, here he is. So I uh, I get to look after two areas this year. Um, the first is uh, the worship ministry, which I always think is interesting. Um, if you've been here at the project for long enough, you would know that uh, we think that worship is not just music. Um, so I'd much prefer looking after the music ministry um, because I certainly am not in charge of all, all, all the worship that goes on because we're always worshipping. Uh, that's what Pete said from the beginning. Everybody worships all the time. And so music is just a vehicle for, uh, for worship to happen. Um, from when I was a young kid, uh, music has always been a way uh, for me to connect with God. And, uh, and it somehow has, uh, has ministered deeply to me. Um, the, the music at church has always been an awesome opportunity for me to, uh, to really connect with God. And so, um, that's really my, my desire is that what we do, uh, week in and week out would be an opportunity for you to connect with God. Uh, it seems that Christianity is a singing religion. Um, you may, may or may not have thought about this before, but as you think about other religions, uh, many other religions don't tend to sing. Uh, John Piper puts it this way, I don't think there are any other religions that sing like Christians sing. Christians really make music over their faith. In fact, some faiths, like Islam, uh, don't even believe in singing. But what kind of faith could say that the human heart, with its readiness to make melody over almost everything it enjoys, should not do that over the most important reality in the universe? That's a really strange religion, I think. If, you, if you've ever had children or been around children, you see them get excited um, about little, really little things, and they just go nuts over it. Uh, and it's almost like, for my children, it's definitely a song. They just start singing something. They'll just start humming something. They'll sc start screaming something. Uh, because that's the natural inclination of the human heart. 
Uh, my hope is that God would be powerfully at work in people as we get together on a Sunday. Uh, and music is the huge opportunity to do that. Uh, it's one way that we all get together and uh, we unify together and sing. I think it'll be at times a deep and personal interaction with God and at other times it'll be an opportunity, like I mentioned before, to sing a song on behalf of somebody else. Um, we've had a discussion about this scripture. What does it look like to sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs to one another? Um, this is one of the only references in the New Testament to singing a- at all within the church. And, uh, and so uh, that at the moment is what I understand it to look like. Um, it's when you walk into a place and you know that listening to your brother or sister in Christ would actually be a benefit to you um, because you're hearing them declare the truths about God. You're hearing them praise God uh, with everything they have. So what is uh, what do I hope for music? Whatever happens, my hope is that music at the project will be a vehicle that God uses to minister His grace uh, week in and to whoever walks through those doors. As we said, we want to be porous. We want to be welcoming uh, for anyone to walk through those doors so that they can hear the gospel. And I think music is a great way to be able to do that. How can you partner? If you have an have ability to uh, play music or to sing or to handle a sound desk, um, I would love to chat with you after the service and uh, we'll get working on how you can be part and joining with the, uh, with the music team up here. The second area I'm looking, looking after is uh, community groups. Um, I think back to the very first community group we started here at this church and it was with uh, five, uh, around five people who we didn't really know. One of them was an ex-student who I didn't get along with uh, and she ended up marrying a guy and they both came to the project and here they were sitting on our couch in our living room uh, and it was pretty weird, I've got to tell you. It was, I, I, I was pretty nervous because I didn't know how we'd connect um, I didn't know what it would look like. However, as the months uh, ensued, um, there was another lady who came and she wasn't a Christian yet, but she thought that the project, coming to the project was really cool and hearing about God was really cool. And so here she is sitting on our, our couch and she didn't want to pray because she didn't know God yet. Uh, and so the journey went on and, and God continued to work and she became a Christian uh, and, and loves Jesus today in addition to her husband who also came to know Jesus, uh, and largely because it wasn't necessarily because of a gathering on Sunday, but because we're living life together through the week. And this is what community groups are all about. Community groups are all about the project uh, gathering on a Sunday, then going into smaller groups around uh, the city, around wherever you're living, uh, so you can meet together and meet out the nitty-gritty of life. Uh, and work out how, you, how am I going to follow Jesus in the nitty-gritty of life, in the reality. Um, Ephesians 4 says this. Um, I'll read this. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So at the project, you come and you hear teaching on a Sunday. You get to join together in singing and worshipping this amazing God. And then you get to go and you're going to be growing up. That's my goal. I mean, I've got to grow up. Sunday's got to grow up. We all need to grow up and keep growing up into Christ. And, uh, and what that looks like day by day. And so that's the opportunity in community groups. Uh, to be joined together, to be, uh, to, to be together on this journey of following Christ. I do want to mention this. One thing that we've always held dear at the project is that we don't become slaves to systems. 
Um, and so the reason we've got a system in place for community groups is so that it would be a, become a regular rhythm in people's lives to be able to go and meet together with other Christians, to be built up, to then be able to be equipped to go out into their communities. And so um, we do have a system. It, it is there, but we don't want to become enslaved to that system so that we're just working for the system. We want the system to work for us so that the gospel can continue to be worked out in people's lives and then out into the community. So what opportunities are there in community? Um, the opportunities are for you to go and join a community. Go and join the weirdness of that first time you meet people you don't actually know and you get to know them and they become really close brothers and sisters in the faith. And, uh, and so come and join a community. Uh, we've got uh, things going up after the service to, uh, to come and be part of that. Uh, so if you're interested and you're really keen to be continuing to work out your faith, Day by day, then uh, please come and join us. There we go. All right, we're getting there. Uh, obviously, um, Sue's not here today. Uh, talked about that before. Uh, I'll introduce uh, Nick Crowther in a minute and just let you know what's happening with the budget. Uh, but, but while he does that, but, but, but <laughs> I'm going to give you some stuff. All right. So what we've got is just a handout. If you can just take one per household. We don't have enough for one each, but just one per household, that'd be great. And all it is, is it's a volunteer info sheet. So it just tells you about a bunch of different ministries in the church and ways that you can actually make a contribution there. A bunch of you are already doing it. Uh, look, it's, it's um, not guaranteeing that um, you're going to get to do what you really want to do because... Doing what you want to do is not always what you're gifted at. Like if I put my hand up and said, Nathan, I want to sing and lead worship, it would, that wouldn't be a good idea for you. There would be no blessing in that at all, okay? And it would make sense for him to say, Peter, that's, I think you're better at preaching. So can you just do that? You do that really well, whatever, all right? So it's not in a church, as it, as it is in all of life, you don't just get to do whatever you want to do. It's, it's also about whether you're gifted in it. It's also about whether other people are blessed by it. Um, and obviously, look, you just seem to know anything to do with kids. We've, you know, there's governmental policies and we've got child protection policies and all that sort of stuff too. So we've got hoops that need to be jumped through on that level um, as well. So just be aware of that. Having said all of that, we'd love you just to make a contribution because it's good for you and it's good for us. Okay. And the gig with the church is uh, if everyone makes a contribution on a regular basis, um, everyone gets blessed and the family works well. And do we have places where we need people to chip in? Yeah, we do. But that's cool because you just need to take this sheet home and pray about it and find out what God wants you to do and then do that with all your mind. And you may actually go home and go, oh, I think I could actually give a little bit more in the area that I'm already giving. So do that. That'd be great. So um, if you can just take one of these each, I'll split them. Oh, I've got to go two-thirds, one-third, don't I? It's killing my neat-neck side of me at the moment. The fact you guys are so unbalanced. Sorry? No, it's okay. I've been praying about it on the side over there. <laughs> All right. So where's Nick? Nick, do you want to come out? Nick's just going to give you a... I've told him he's got about three minutes. So what the leadership decided to do this year... Come out, Nick. What the leadership, uh, Diff and Nathan and I decided to do this year is because you've been so generous, we've had savings. Now, what does the church do with savings if they don't spend it on buildings? We have no plan to spend money on buildings. Well, you invested in people. So um, we thought it was a really good opportunity at the start of this year to invest in employing some new people and use up some of our savings. So you'll see here in a minute, 
a slightly scary deficit budget. Um, but that's kind of where it's coming from. We're just trusting the Lord and taking a, a risk and just saying, let's go for it and see what God might do amongst us this year. Anyway, Nick. Thanks, Peter. <clears throat> okay, so, um, yes, uh, I'm part of the leader advisory group, um, uh, which just to, to settle uh, some doubts in your mind, that is actually... Um, Initially, it was going to be called the Deacons, so it was decided we'd actually call it the Leader Advisory Group um, for the time being and may develop into a Deacon Group later. <coughs> so um, because we became a, an entity in ourselves, we decided, um, or the elders decided, that we need to really grip up a few things. So the Leader Advisory Group was formed, and, and we met to consider a, a number of things that the, the leaders had to, had to work through. Um, so these range from, and, and Pete sort of talked about them a little bit, uh, the budget, paying conditions, uh, job descriptions, risk management, child protection, workplace health and safety, all those sort of things. So in early January, um, after going through a few things, I sent the elders 45 recommendations <laughs> of things that they, they could think about and, and pray about and then decide what they were going to do. Um, not quite sure exactly why, but the, they accepted all of them, and uh, here we go. <coughs> so now I'm just going to talk quickly about the budget, um, because I suppose that's um, reasonably important that people actually have, have an understanding of things in broad terms. Now, Pete has already alluded to the fact that he was talking about the, the savings and the use of the savings. So on the screen, you can see a pie chart <coughs> which shows um, our forecast expenditure in percentage of total expenditure. So that's what it's showing in the pie. I'm not sure if you can read that from, from here. Hopefully you can. So on the top left <coughs> are the actual and forecast weekly income figures for 2014. So the actual is for 2014, and then the forecast is for 2015. Can you, can you all read them? Okay. okay. <coughs> so on the top right is the actual weekly surplus for 2014. So we, had a, we, we actually had a surplus now. The actual budget was going to be, for a, again, for a deficit, but it worked out to be a surplus. And then uh, over there on the top right again is the forecast weekly deficit for 2015, which is what Peter was talking about. So why are we forecasting a deficit? Well, Pete's alluded to it a little bit. We've certainly taken on more paid staff, so you saw that before when Pete was talking. <coughs> so uh, particularly in the additional employment people, so there was more wages and so on. Um, and that was basically in line to increase all our ministry to our people okay, and to the wider community. And I think you saw that uh, with what Marta was talking about, Helen was talking about, and Pete was talking about. So we're definitely reaching out to the wider community wherever we can. So as part of that, in line with that, is the donations and missions have also gone up back up to the 10% that Pete was talking about. So 10% of income. At the moment, it shows there 8% of, of expenditure. <coughs> uh, hall hire increased, so we can actually use this a lot more because we have a lot more access, so that went up a little bit. Um, so basically donations, more people on staff, and the hall hire are basically the big increase. So we also looked at it um, very conservatively. So we, we, we were very conservative, or Liz was very conservative with 
the estimate for offerings, okay? So the offerings haven't gone up very much. Um, and we overestimated the salary and related expenses bill, okay? So as Pete said, the church can cover that forecast deficit. It's around about uh, $49,000 over the year, $940 a week, and we have approximately $90,000 in savings. So we can cover that. But I do expect the deficit to be much smaller. Um, the wages bill should go down uh, through a number of initiatives, and uh, we, we pray and hope that the offerings uh, will go up. Now, I fully in endorse this step in faith that the, the elders have committed to, um, and I think, it, I think it's great. Um, we, we just trust the Lord um, for that, but we do have the savings, so you can all relax. So if you've got any questions, I mean, we haven't released a blow-by-blow -blow budgetary detailed kind of analysis. You can get one of those if you want. We're not going to give you one just because we're not going to give you one. We just think most of you, it's, it, I don't know, we just don't think you probably need it. That's probably as much as you need. But we're really happy to show you all the facts and figures if you want to query some of the details. So you can either see Nick or, uh, or Liz about that. And, uh, well, you can see me about it too, but I'll be less help than probably both of those. So um, you can check. You can talk to them about it and uh, they'll go through it. All right, there's two more things this morning and uh, it's going to be quick. First one is this. I preached on fasting last week and I want to actually call all of you to join me in a fast and to join the leadership in a fast for the month of February. And we're not fasting every day for the whole month. What, we want, what we're calling you to fast with us in is fasting uh, breakfast and lunch on a Tuesday, um, each Tuesday of February, okay? So you get up in the morning and, and don't eat until dinner, okay? Now, we're really keen for you to do that. What I want to do is I want to put a palm card. Anyone ever used a palm card, like in a speech? Now, if you've ever done fasting before and you're anything like me, it's like, I need a palm card, right? Because it's just, I just like food too much, I think. Um, and you just need to be reminded about good things. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a palm card in a minute that you can just stick in your wallet or in your pocket or whatever. And just, that can be a little bit of a focal kind of point for you. Deuteronomy 8 verse 2 to 3 says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. Moses is talking to the people of Israel. To humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Listen to this. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So you know one thing you can pray every time you feel a hunger pain or you think about having a coffee or you just think I'd really like to have lunch right now is you just go, I actually need God and what he says to me more than I need food right now. God, help me, to, help me to know that. Help me to know that I need you and what you say and your words more than I need food right now. Another scripture on, is, that's going to be on the palm card is Matthew 6, 17 to 18. But when you fast, Jesus says, don't put oil on your head and, sorry, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will what so here's the thing i'm inviting you to fast for a reward from the father that's what i'm inviting you to do and so you go without food and you say father when you're really hungry you say i'm doing this because i want a reward from you i want you i want you to speak to me i want you to energize me and then this one in john 6 verse 35 jesus said I am the what? Bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. 
We believe that about Jesus. And we believe that the truth about Jesus in the spiritual realm actually touches the physical and it impacts on the physical. So those are a few verses that are going to be on one side of your uh, palm card. Um, Look, if you're unconvinced about fasting and you weren't here last week, just get on our website, click on the sermon tab at the top and have a listen to it last week, from last week, okay? Uh, because we pre- I preached on that out of Mark. On the other side of the card, I've got a couple of quotes for you. One from Joseph Wimmer. He said this, The weakness of hunger, which leads to death, brings forth the goodness and power of God who wills life. Here there is no extortion, no magic attempt to force God's will. We merely look with confidence upon our Heavenly Father and through our fasting say gently in our hearts. This is one I say a lot when I fast. Father, without you I'm going to die. Come to my assistance and make haste to help me. Then John Piper says this. He says, I invite you to turn from the dulling effects of food and the dangers of idolatry and to say with some simple fast, this much, O God, I want you. That would be a good thing to say when you're fasting too. I want you so much, I want you more than food right now. And honestly, if you're anything like me and you go, no, I actually want food more than Jesus, that's a good time to repent and say sorry to God and say, God, I want to want you more than food right now. Please help me to want you more than food right now. So here's what I'm inviting you to do. I'm inviting you to participate in a fast with us that says, this much I want your activity and presence in me. This much I want your activity and your presence in the project. This much I want your activity and your presence in, in Highfields and in Toowoomba, in people that don't know you. This much I want you, you to reveal yourself to people who don't know Jesus. This much I want to want you. <laughs> this much I want your presence and activity in what situation? I mean, dot, 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 put whatever in there. Let's just get a real hunger for the, the presence and the communion of Jesus, the communion with Jesus. All good? You into that? Now, here's the thing. Some of you are going, oh, I'm pregnant, or uh, I'm going to pass out uh, if I fast. Look, you don't have to fast food, all right? But don't go easy on yourself. Don't say, I'm going to fast coffee once a day. It's like, unless you're a massive coffee addict, right? That may be a big thing. You may think you're going to die if you don't have it once a day okay but i'll just encourage you there's there is something about food that's like i'm going to die if i don't have this stuff um and so i just encourage you find something that is a dysfunctional appetite in a sense that's what i talked about last week and fast that and i would encourage you do it for a month like not just one day a month just do it for the whole month so a, a pastor said to me the other day he said you know what i'd love people to fast i'd love people to fast mobile phones and smartphones, so the only thing they're allowed to do on it is voice calls. I'm just going, whoa. And then some people would die then, wouldn't they? <laughs> All right, so I'm going to hand out these palm cards. So if you can take, you can have one of these each. That'd be cool. That's just got those scriptures and those quotes on there. I know some guys in the church are into a media fast at the moment. I reckon that's just sensational. That's great. So um, you can do that. Now, the other thing I'm going to send around... Actually, nah, I'm going to do that at the end. What I want to do now... Actually, no, where's Nath? I'm going to come up and... I was going to say tickle the ivories, but he's not doing that. Play the harp. Look, I thought it would be a great thing for us today, folks, 
take communion. And the reason why I think it's a really appropriate thing is for next week, we're actually going to be split in some proportion. I don't think it's, it's not going to be half. Um, but some of us will be at 8.30 and some of us will be at 10.30. And uh, I thought we'd just read a couple of scriptures and then we'd take communion. Look, communion is about the fact that Jesus has come and he got broken so that you didn't have to. You see, that the weird thing is that the choices that we make break us. And sometimes we can get really happy with our brokenness. Jesus has come, the un, in a sense, almost the unbreakable one has come and made himself breakable so that you don't have to be broken anymore. Matthew 26, verse 26 to 29. Now, as they were eating, Jesus and his disciples, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body. He imagine him. I mean, he's got the bread there and he, he literally, I mean, he tears it. And he's kind of going, this, this literally is going to happen to my body in a few days. He took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You know, and there's a sense in which he's holding that cup and, and the, uh, the wine that's in that cup is symbolic of the, the blood that's going to flow off his body on the cross only a few days later. This is, my blood, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Listen, now some of you might be going, what a weird thing to do after talking about fasting to have communion. You know what? It's not weird at all. Because communion is actually at the heart of it is actually what fasting is all about. Do you get that? Because in fasting you're saying, I want more of your fullness. By faith, when you take communion, those who love Jesus, you're saying, I want you to come in. I want you to be in every single cell, every fiber of my being, every cell of my body. I want you to be part of me. That's why it's so dumb to take it if you don't love Jesus. And that's why he gets cranky about it. And in 1 Corinthians, it talks about how God killed some people because they took it in a dodgy way. Now, when you understand what it is, I mean, you can sit there and you go, oh, that's a bit fearful. Well, it's not really that fearful. It's just more, just take it in the spirit in which he intended it. Invite him in to be part of everything inside of you. But listen to this. This is what Jesus says. He says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. You know what he's saying? That's the last time I'm going to drink like this until you come and we get together for a big feed. And there's going to be a big feed one day. And you get, you're invited to it. And somehow this is some small taste of the big feed that's going to happen where you get to sit down at God, in God's banquet hall and you get to have a banquet with him which will blow your minds. It will absolutely blow your minds. In Ephesians 4, verse 4 to 6, this is why I think it's so significant for us today. Let's join together today in taking communion if you love Jesus. Because there is only one body. There is only one spirit. There's only one hope that belongs to your call. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. We're all one. Whether it's the project or New Hope or whether it's Toowoomba City Church or whatever it is, we're all one. And we can act like we're not one, but we're all one. Whether we're the project and we're going to 8.30 or 10.30, we're one. True? I'm just going to pray and then we'll uh, hand communion out to you. God, thank you that you got torn, you got broken so we can be fixed. 
And thanks that you want to be so intimately connected to us that you said that bread and wine were like you, your flesh and your blood. And that you do want to be part of every single fibre of our being. And God, if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, God, I'd just ask you, you'd help them to know they can know you. They can know you right now. They can, by faith, just say to you, they can just put their trust in you and say, Jesus, please forgive me for my disobedience. Fix my brokenness. Through your brokenness. God, we thank you for everything you've done in the project. We thank you that we are one. Thanks that you've made us one. Amen.